When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wednesday Bible Study. We are so thankful that you are here. We're waiting just a minute on Danny Wood. As soon as he settles, we'll jump right into it. Hey, uh, yeah, you're good. You, you're it's fine. Yeah. There'll be other people. Uh, yeah, there you go. Good to see you, Danny. Hey, thanks to all of you that are joining us all across the country and around the world via the YouTube channel here at rickandbubba.com. Uh, remember, if you if you missed the live broadcast, Mr. Eddie Van Adler, Chris Adler does a great job of uh, getting that archive for you. Uh, and it's usually out less than an hour after we do it every day. So know that it's still there even if you miss it live. And there's also an audio only. Some of you say, hey, I want to listen to some of these archives while I'm driving. Well, you can do that. Uh, just go to the Rick and Bubba podcast channel. Uh, or if you really want me to simplify for it, uh, simplify this for you. When it comes to archives, whether you want the video or just the audio, if you go to themanchurch.com, uh, hit the media button, it'll drop down. It says watch or listen. Just click whichever you prefer, and you're ready to go. And uh, we counted the other day, we are over 300 uh, different uh, sessions of the Wednesday Bible study that you can access over uh, the last, uh, we haven't been archiving the entire 10 years, so probably about eight years worth of Bible studies that are there. Now, we're in the Revelation now, and today we'll be in Revelation 9, uh, and we're going to go verses 13 through 20. We'll deal with the sixth trumpet today. Uh, before we do that, a couple things to kind of update you on. This Bible study is brought to you by themanchurch.com. Uh, we are a men's discipleship strategy. Uh, we provide uh, everything you need to implement a strategy to reach and, more importantly, disciple the men of your church uh, and your community. And uh, we will help you any way that we can. I want to thank our, our friend Glenn Beck. Uh, I had a chance to be on with him last Friday, so I'm starting to hear from people all over the country uh, that are kicking the tires on this for the first time. We have over 600, almost 700 churches now uh, that are doing uh, our curriculum. We have multiple curriculum. Uh, we have three of those ready to go, and our fourth one will be ready to go uh, by the time we get back together next week. Uh, it's It should be done by the end of this week. Uh, so we'll have four curriculum for you. Uh, they all deal with different topics. They're easy to implement, uh, but they also, from what we're hearing, are having great impact because ultimately the power of the Word of God is in each and every one of them. So, uh, And then we have individual resources for men. If you're just trying to grow individually or maybe you wanted to start discipling your sons uh, through 40-day devotionals and a new 31-day devotional, it is called Transformed. Now, I'm bringing it up today because it's brand new. It came out in February. It's 31 days unpacking verses dealing with the topic of transformation. Jesus Christ says that if we abide in him, that he will, not he might, he will produce much fruit in us, proving that we are his disciples. He also says in John chapter 3, we must be born again. Uh, Paul says that we are a new creation, for the old is gone and the new has come. So if all that's true, if we don't see that in our life, then something is wrong, because it's not because of the inability for Jesus to change us. Uh, and what this uh, uh, journey through 31 days or 31 verses, however you lay it out, it'll, it'll force you to ask the question, as it does us, have I been 
been transformed by Jesus. And, uh, and, and it's, we're getting great uh, response on this around the country, but something for Father's Day coming up in June. We're doing something special right now. If you'd like a signed copy uh, to give to the dads on your Father's Day list as something that is a gift to them that may impact them eternally, uh, you just simply go to rickandbubba.com right now. There's the, you'll see in show notes, you, you click on that icon. It looks just like the one that's behind me on the screen. If you're listening, you'll see it there. Uh, and if you want to go to manchurch.com and you click on the store, then click, you know, you're an individual, you'll see the banner at the top of the store. Click here for a signed copy. Understand what I'm saying. If you don't use those links, we won't know you want a signed copy, okay? And the number of signed copies is limited and for a limited time, so be sure you use the right link. Uh, but uh, if you would like to do that, that's available to you. All right, so let's open up in a word of prayer. Uh, let me mention Phoenix City, Alabama. Uh, if you are uh, watching this or listening to it, and this Saturday is May the 6th, I'll be, in, uh, I'll be at Somerville Baptist Church. They're having man church. Uh, it's free. All you got to do is come to it uh, in Phoenix City, Alabama. If that's near you or you'd like to journey there, I'll see you guys, Lord willing, this Saturday night. Let's open in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for today. Uh, we So many times, uh, you know, unpacking the word of God, it, it can be intimidating because uh, sometimes we cower at the thought of, of understanding who you are. And we know the limitations of our finite mind, and there's many things that we just hear you say, and we go, I believe that I accept that I accept that by faith. I don't fully understand it, uh, but I accept that by faith. But what we don't want to do, Lord, is to have that same attitude about everything. Uh, there's so much here that we can completely understand because you've allowed us to, and 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 we search for those truths to apply them to our lives. And we thank you as we go through the revelation for two things that are going on. First of all, it is incredible news for those of us that have been redeemed. Secondly, it's a very loving warning to those of us who are not. And uh, help us, Lord, as we look to the future of when you finally resolve all the problems of a sinful world and sinful people. Uh, but unfortunately, because sin always matters, the brutality of it can be terrifying. But the good news is you offer us grace, mercy, and redemption. May we not reject the offer. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so we're looking at the Revelation. We are in chapter 9, which is where we were last week, but we're going to pick up in verse 13. We got, we're, we're now through, we're, we're through the letters of, to the church, we're through the horsemen, we're through now five of the trumpets, and now we're going to go to the sixth trumpet. Now, you're going to see the sixth trumpet, trumpet is really kind of, it, it's picking up what was happening uh, with the fifth trumpet, but trumpet and now taking it to another level all these trumpets increase the intensity of god's wrath okay and uh, and we get to that seventh one then it gets to the bowls and the bowls uh, uh, it really gets rough but but today let's first of all understand where we are what's happened now is god is allowing everybody let's just resonate right there let's, let's not be afraid of that god is allowing He's completely in control. He is allowing a satanic slaughter of the unredeemed who don't repent. He's allowing it. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the age of grace, it, it's almost like if you're looking at, at, at the age of grace and the church age and it's a faucet, it isn't completely off yet, but, it, but, but, but it's, it's turning into a dribble. Grace is still available. 
but 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 that it's almost completely turned off, and 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 we're getting to the time that God says, and now the opportunity at repentance is completely over, and everybody who didn't must be eradicated. We're not quite there, but we're almost there. Uh, so mankind, even as you and I sit here today, th- this is a future event that we're looking at. But as we sit here today, let's talk about what is presently happening. Mankind, since the fall in the garden, lies between a powerful battle in the spiritual realm. These are opposing spheres, each seeking to conform people to itself. Let me be clear to everybody in the room, to me, Rick Burgess, teaching this, and to all of you watching and or listening. I know that this, and men are the some of the biggest offenders when it comes to this, is thinking that there is an option that is a third option, neutral. There isn't. Neutral does not exist. When, when you tell men the influence that God gave us, it sometimes is, it's daunting because you're like, wait a minute, so I have all this influence? Yeah. You, we either influ- we're either a detriment or an obstacle. You've heard me say this a thousand times that everybody's having to work around or we're a blessing. And we're an asset. And some men go, I think I'll go neither. There is no neither. Same thing with your devotion to God. You're either for him or you're against him. You're either, think about it, because we'll even dumb that down. I'm not going to let you off the hook on this, because I didn't need to be let off the hook on this. You're not just kind of against God. You're with the devil. Okay, you see, some people say, well, I'm not for God, but I'm certainly not with the devil. If you're not for God, you're with the devil. So there's, there's no neutral. And this battle has been raging, and we're caught in the middle of it as human beings since the fall in the garden. And it's still going. And so it, it, it's, it's happening right now. Uh, Paul, when he was writing to uh, uh, Colossae, when he was uh, writing to the Colossians in, in Colossians 1.13, turn over to there real quick, just flip back to Colossians and you're going to see Paul is, is is making this clear because I think sometimes people are like, you know, I'm not really into the Jesus thing and I'm just kind of hanging out, but I'm certainly not wicked. If you're not with Jesus, you're wicked. Uh, but compared to the holiness of God, and, and, and look at verse 13 in chapter 1 of Colossians. Listen to what Paul is saying uh, to the church. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Look at 14. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So so if you have not been forgiven, where does Paul say that you are? You're in the domain of darkness. Because that's where Jesus is pulling us from. You know, remember when I told you about the conversation, I can't believe in a God. These people say that sends people to hell. No, I'll tell you what you need to do is you need to get on your face and repent and be thankful for a God that's offering to deliver us from hell. We're sending ourselves to hell. And so this battle, this this domain of darkness, or the kingdom of his beloved son, which is light, so you and I are either in the darkness or we are now in the light. We're either a companion of God or we are a companion of Satan. We're either a companion of holy angels or we're a companion of demons. We are either a companion of of the saints or we are a companion of the sinners. 
And you can say all you want to, Billy Joel was and is an idiot if he has never changed his mind, where he says, I'd rather laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun, and only the good die young. That is about as dumb advice as you could possibly ever be given. And, and let me tell you this. I have hung out with the sinners, and I've hung out with the saints. And, 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 I, and the sinners nearly killed me, and the saints saved me. Okay? So, uh, so you, you can uh, – look, from someone who has been in both have, – have, I've played for both teams. The team I'm on now is a team of life, and the team I was on before was a team of death. Okay? And, uh, and, and so and, – and let me tell you, Satan didn't want to lose me because I was making All-American. Okay, and and now I'm on the other team. So a day, it, 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 when, when you make the wrong decisions, now listen, listen now, guys. It's one thing to make a wrong decision that, that inconveniences you. Well, I had these three people that brought me, you know, they gave me their estimate on painting my house, and I picked the wrong one, now my house looks like garbage. Yeah, that's bad. I mean, that that was a bad decision. Hey, I had an opportunity to 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 take that one that that one trip, and I didn't take it. Everybody said they had a blast, and I missed my team winning on the last minute. I should have gone to that game, and I missed it. Those are those are you know those are inconveniences. You miss this one, it's an eternal disaster. You will suffer, and you will be in misery for. Ever, it's a big miss. It's it's not a well. My life's not as good as it could have been, but but that's a no no. It, it there the, there's no comparison to the right decision here and the wrong decision. No comparison. Hell will be so loud of all the crying and the and the screaming. So so remember, God is offering us the opposite of eternal disaster. God is offering us eternal life and perfection. Okay? Perfection. And know this. Here's what Satan wants you to believe, and this is the battle you're in right now and I'm in. He wants to lure us into the momentary pleasures of some sin. And let's not, let's, let's be real. There are some sins that for a moment can be quite pleasurable to the flesh. No doubt about that. Which just don't lie out like that's not true. But it's but it's bait. It's a lure. You know, every time a fish goes after what I'm fishing with, for a moment he thinks that looks delicious. And then before you know it, he's pulled out of the oxygen, can't breathe, and has a treble hook through his nose. And it and I decide at that point whether he's filleted and eaten or I toss him back. Satan never tosses you back, okay? And, and so it leads, even though it lures and it looks good, and that's the thing, this stuff you're seeing that looks so scary and so awful and so raunchy, that's a distraction. That gets us thinking, well, that must be what it looks like, and I can see that. It's those things that look quite wonderful and beautiful and seem harmless. Those are the ones he gets us with, okay? And let me tell you where they lead. Eternal again destruction. Uh, Hebrews eleven twenty five talks about this, and then uh, John MacArthur said this in one of the commentaries this week. The loud voices of hell. This is so good. 
the loud voices of hell have always tried to drown out the preaching of the gospel. Oh, what a good line. The loud voices of hell have always tried to drown out the preaching of the gospel. And, and so when you're not hearing the gospel, it's because your ability to listen is being drowned out by the loud voices of hell. And, 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 and so, so understand that. Uh, so a day is coming when the sinner and, and the siren of hell will be so loud it will it will become all but irresistible. Y'all familiar with the with the legend of the sirens for the sailors out on the sea? And they would look at this what they thought was a beautiful woman, and that beautiful woman would call them to their deaths. You know, and so what we're about to see now is it's gonna get to the point as these trumpets keep going that your in a, your ability to discern the loudness of hell with the preaching of the gospel. The gospel is going to be harder and harder to hear, and 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 the lure of being with them is going to become, to some, unfortunately, irresistible. They're too far gone. Have, have you ever? Have you ever? Have you ever? I, I talked to someone recently, and they have this person they love. I'm going to keep this real general. And they've invested in this person, and it is it is a family member that they love, and they love, and they love, and they love, and that family member keeps turning away, turning away, turning away, over and over again, back to sin, back to the voices of hell, and and finally they got to the point, and some of you have probably been there, and their prayers shifted, and guess what the prayer was? I hope they get put in jail. Please let them get put in jail. Because that's the only way they're going to live. If they don't get put in jail, we're going we're going to get to call their dead. Please let them be put in jail. You almost want to find a way to turn them in. So so that that's where we're headed. Is that some for some people the only way they're going to turn around is to suffer severe consequences for for not repenting, and 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 that's going to be a difficult difficult place because preaching, as we already have seen, preaching will be ignored, and, and, and the sixth trumpet will be another more severe demonic attack on sinful mankind. See, right now, especially some of you sitting in this room, they're in the old United States of America and living in the buckle of the Bible Belt. The, the gospel's loud. you got no problem hearing the gospel. You're, look where you're sitting right now. We're sitting in some, some office, some business office. Ain't nobody going to bust that door down and kill all of us. And we're sitting here unpacking the Bible. You're getting as clear a teaching, well, from the Bible, if I can get out of the way of it. You're getting, you're getting teaching. I'll, I'll say that. And hopefully it's clear. But you, we are sitting here going through every word of the Bible. Nobody's stopping us. But what about when, and it's going to happen in this country, I promise you. What about when it gets to the point that I hope you got it because in order to come here in the future, we, we're going to all be killed or to be against the law. Now, I'm going to keep doing it, but it's going to be harder because you may go, well, we can't go this time. They put Rick in jail. you know. So I guess uh, hopefully you can do it on your own. But the, right now it's wide open and the gospel is being preached clearly. So repent. Apply it. Stop fooling around. Because as we move forward, your ability to even hear the gospel 
is going to be compromised, and there's going to be a lot of obstacles between our ears and the preaching of God's holy words. And if you don't see that trend right now, you're not paying attention. This, All this stuff right now that's happening with transgender and all this kind of stuff, and everybody always thinks this is all political. It, it looks political, but that's Satan again. Let me tell you where all this is headed. You know what the church preaches, don't you? They preach that God made them male and female. They preach that marriage is a, is a biological man and a biological woman. That hurts people's feelings. That's mean. They're saying that people that we can't just live any way we want to. You know, maybe they shouldn't be preaching that. Maybe that should be against the law. I've heard it twice since the last time we were together. Twice I did the story sitting right in this seat. Twice that people in the trans community says it ought to be criminal. It ought to be criminal not to acknowledge our pronouns and not to acknowledge our identity and not let us go in any bathroom, any dressing room, anywhere we compete in any sport. Now, when you hear things like, I think it's mean for people not to identify with us, when they start saying criminal, now that, and you get some politician out there that thinks that might be beneficial to be the person who made it criminal that might give them more power, they'll do it. So enjoy the gospel clearly today. Okay, so and and don't don't keep thinking it'll always be like this because I got news for you, it won't be. So this attack in six is going to be unlike the previous one because remember in the previous one, do you remember the limits? Torture them for five months, but don't kill them. They can kill them now. So in this one, this one's going to bring death, uh, and it unfolds in three stages. So let's look at stage one: the release of the demons, uh, verses thirteen and fourteen of the Revelation chapter nine. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, 14, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Hang on to that. So John hears audibly, he says it's a voice. Now the Greek here, if you look at the word that's being used, it, it's, it's saying one solitary voice. He's not hearing a bunch of voices. He hears one specific voice saying this. Now, we don't know who the voice is. There's all sorts of commentary on this. Some think that it is, it, it, that it is the, the angel. Some, some think that it is the most likely is we're hearing Jesus say this, that it is the Lamb of God. Could be a voice from an angel, but, but John, John, the one he saw standing near the golden altar, could be that angel that we saw in, in Revelation 8.3. So of all the commentaries, the only two that seemed to kind of stand up was it's either Jesus or it's either that angel that he saw standing next to the altar. It's one of those. But it doesn't really matter. Uh, what matters is what the, the voice was saying. We do know that the voice came from the four horns. You know, These protrude from the four corners of the golden altar, which is before God. Uh, and we've been introduced to this altar both by John uh, and, of course, also throughout the Old Testament. Uh, this is the altar. Remember, we've already seen this. This is a this is a version of the one that's throughout the Old Testament. This is where they burn incense that symbolizes people's prayers. Uh, Revelation six says that it represented the prayers of the saints. Remember that who had been martyred, pleading for vengeance. Revelation eight, it became an altar of judgment. We talked about that. The original altar of incense. If you want to write this down. And thank you for your feedback on that, that you do like these cross-reference verses, even if we don't read them in the Bible study. It gives you something to look at. So write down Exodus 30, and then go to verses 1 through 10. You'll see the original altar 
of incense, and it and it looks just like this one. So a clear command is given: release the four angels who are bound. Well, let's 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 get interested now. now what in the world? Who are these? Um, the fact that they were bound shows us that they are demons, because nowhere in Scripture do we ever find angels being bound who are holy. So these are demons. The perfect tense also helps us here. So let's get deep for a minute. The, 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 there's a perfect tense of the verb that also tells us that they were bound in the past with continuing results. So they weren't just recently bound. They have been bound. They were bound, and they are bound. Okay, But now that they're, they're about to be set free, the reason why that's important because you're going to realize that these demons got in trouble back in time. And God's been holding them there, and this is what you got to get and know. You know, you know how long He's been holding them there, till He was ready to let them out again. So they couldn't leave until He said they could leave. And you got to be, you got to understand: is God releasing them? He is, because they couldn't release themselves. That should comfort you, though, more than it should scare you. Okay, so uh, guess who's in control? God, yeah. So the side of the imprisonment, boy, we have a lot of fun with this. The Great River Euphrates. If you want to know about this river, it's got a lot of history. Deuteronomy one seven, uh, when 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 God's laying out the the what He's going to give to His children, Joshua talks about it too. And one fourteen, when He finally gets ready to go get it. So this rises from from sources that run off Mount Ararat, okay, in Turkey. It flows seventeen hundred miles before emptying into the Persian Gulf. It is the longest, most important river in the Middle East. One uh, that um, uh, that flowed, we believe, well, we know because it says in Scripture, it flowed from the Garden of Eden. Remember that? Here's a reference on that one. You'll find it right here. Genesis 2, 14. All these rivers that flow from the Garden, Euphrates was one of them. So it's been around a long time. So, it, And near the Euphrates, what happened there? Sin, sin began. The first lie was told, the first murder committed, and the Tower of Babel was built all next to the River Euphrates. A lot of sin. That's, that's why they're bound there. They're bound under the River Euphrates. The four angels, a specific group, uh, they are not identified. Uh, now, th- this, I think, really stands up. One of the, the, one of the theories that has a lot to back it up is that since it is four and they are angels who have been punished. Now this is not those that were imprisoned from Genesis six. Those have just been released from the, because the, they were put in the abyss. These four are being held in a different place. They're not part of that group. It's important for you to make that note. Okay. They're different. They're a specific group. Maybe. And I think this stands up scripturally. Most believe these are the four angels that controlled the four major world empires. You hear what? The Prince of Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. We see this in Scripture and in prophecy that there were demons that seemed to have power over these four empires. Daniel talks about this in Daniel 10. Make a note of that. This is his insight. Uh, The warfare between the holy angels and the demons that influenced individual nations. Here's some things you want to read um, uh, in, in Daniel 10, if you want to know about these four demons. Verse 13, Daniel 10. Daniel was told this by a holy angel. 
Also, verse 20 will give you some insight, okay? And, you know, you've heard this before. You know, even Michael was saying, hey, I've been battling, you know, the prince of Persia. And, I, and, 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 and so we, we finally defeated him. And, and so whoever they are, God releases them, which means he's in total control. Um, and and, and they, he releases them for what reason? Go back, to, go back to the fifth trumpet. We got a lot of demons that need leadership right now. We got a whole military of demons that will be global. Now, remember, some people will say, oh, that 200 million, that's the Chinese. That's the Chinese. They're going to build an army of 200 million. Yeah, I, that, that may be. No doubt these, these Russia and China are going to play a role in what's happening. But remember, China has no ability whatsoever to take a 200, 200 million uh, military and take it across the entire globe. The, the budget for their travel and their supplies alone is impossible. So this has to be a supernatural army. And, and so what we're saying now, and it is our, an army of demons that has been released from the abyss, but they need a little they need more officers. You know, we saw one that, that John said, I think this one's got some, some authority here that came out of the pit. Well, what most uh, theologians believe, these four are probably sent to take that 200 million, and that's an estimate, but that's what John's number he guessed at, 200 million of, of, of the fallen demons that they need, they need four generals to go out and say, I got, I got this bunch, you got that bunch, and divide it up into four groups to go across the entire world each led by one of these four demons. Does that make sense to you? Everybody still with me? So then we, so we've established the release of these demons. We've given theories on who we think they are. And then the second thing that's going to roll out in this sixth trump, trumpet is the return of death. Remember what I said. Death now returns. It was being restrained at the fifth trump, trumpet. But in the sixth trumpet, verses 15 through 19, death now returns, and it returns with a vengeance. Okay. Let's look at verses 15 through 19 of Revelation chapter 9. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. Death is back. Y'all realize how many people that is? That's a bunch. Okay. Uh, So uh, the number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. All right, so he he's getting he's trying to be specific. He said, "I hear the number. If you take those numbers and put it together, that's about two hundred million." Okay, and this is how I saw the horses in my vision, and those who rode on them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and sapphire and of sulfur, and the heads of the horses were like lions' heads. And fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. Make a note of that, um, and I'll come back to that. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by fire, by fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. All right. So God has now predestined the perfect time. God has decided the day, the month, the year, this is when I release these four. And so the reason he releases them, okay? Remember, for us to understand, I, I, I read this uh, from Spurgeon this week, and I, and I retweeted it because I loved it so much. He goes, I don't understand why people are so confused on why God hated Esau. What I don't understand is why he loved Jacob. <laughs> 
And uh, and so so if 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 you if you look at this, that's that's a much more uh, perplexing uh, thing. And that is this: God's wrath makes perfect sense to me. I can't believe He's taken this long to kill everybody. You know, we, you know, He's already shown in Genesis that He can get to the point that He'll kill everybody but eight people. So. Now God's wrath, he said, I'm going to pick a time, because he's gracious, just like the ark, 120 years for people to repent. They just didn't. And so now he says, I've waited. I've waited to this future date, which is in our future. I've waited on it. It's here. And I release these four demons. If you want to understand God's grace and truly appreciate his grace and love, you better understand his wrath. He released these demons for one reason, to kill a third of mankind. That's why they were released. And uh, uh, we already remember through what we've been through already, through the horsemen and the other trumpets, keep in mind a fourth have already been killed. This is another third of what's left. Uh, Revelation 6, 8 tells us we've already killed a bunch with the fourth trumpet. This is an additional third, more than half the earth uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's now. And you know, when we look back at the tree, the pre-trib population, now post-trib, and now we're in the great tribulation. We're past the mid-trib. Now in the great tribulation. So right now, half the population that was here before we started is dead. That's a lot of folks. Um, so this is not included. Those killed in the in uh in the other seals in the trumpets. Uh, the, 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 you know, in the, the, the specifies, this shows that what God is doing this, not natural disasters. It's not natural disaster. Now that's, there's going to be an attempt to say that that's where all this man made global warming stuff about you write that down. Because if you look back and you see, well, he let these disasters happen. If you said, well, those were weather, those were weather events. That wasn't God. What he does this time. He said, y'all won't say it was a natural disaster this time. Because I'm going to put an army of demons out there that's going to wipe out a third of the population that's left. Try to explain that in some kind of weather phenomenon. So at this point, everybody who ever doubted at this point goes, hey, this is God. This is God. Death is everywhere. And so now how do the demons kill everybody? Well, verse 18 says um, it, it, it will be a slaughter, and there will be over a billion people. Uh, the power of these demons is it, it's unimaginable. And that, that's what he's trying to say in 18. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by fire. So he tells us by fire, smoke, sulfur coming out of their mouths, coming out of their mouths. Okay. So in verse 16, we know that number we just had, that was the number. That's 200 million. It's very specific. John you know, says, I love this, you know, because a minute ago I said, I don't know where John at first, when I first started studying this, I'm going, is this some kind of speculation? Well, John really says it's not because he doubles down in 16. He says, when I give you the number that, that you can add up to 200 million, it's specific. He says, if you think I'm exaggerating, what does he say? I heard the number. Somebody said, well, John, come on now. I heard the number. Can't you see yourself standing there? I heard this number. I'm just giving you what I heard. So is this? Did you speculate on this? I heard the number. So we know that's that's going to be a lot of demons, and it's going to be a lot of people. And so he said armies, which is plural. Now this may show us that they will be split into the four armies. 
right, by these demons. Because John says it's armies of demons. So maybe the, that, that's signifying that these four came out and split them off into four different groups. It is a supernatural army. There, that no human army can pull off what I said, uh, an army this big going around the globe. And then in 17, when he's describing the riders, uh, they are the color of hell. These colors that you're seeing, these colors have always been associated with the destruction. If you, if you go back to Genesis 19, 24, and 28, let, let's just look at that, okay? Now listen to what John says first before we turn over. He said the, the, the riders who rode these horses, and you'll find out in a minute they weren't literal horses, wore, bless, wore breastplates the color of fire and sapphire and of sulfur, and the heads of their horses were like lions, and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. Now go over to Genesis and look at uh, ch- chapter 19. Back, you know, go back again. I'm so thankful Sherry told us to do Genesis first. She was right. It sure has helped, hasn't it? Genesis 19, and now let's look at, uh, at verses 24 through 28. And as you know, this is the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, Look at these words, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. God's saying, y'all might remember these things. And let me tell you what else this did. When I was studying this, let me tell you what every one of us can stop saying. And all of you can stop saying it. I'll tell you what, if God doesn't wipe this, wipe the the earth, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't need an apology. He is going to wipe everybody out again. This, we're not getting away with this. He didn't owe anybody an apology. And it sounds like he's going to destroy this place, and it's going to look and feel very similar to what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. The same phrases are being used. And he, what John is saying is he's looking at them. You know what? It's, it's, it's symbolic because he's saying, I'm telling you what's just been released. I'll tell you what's going on, what I'm seeing now. Hell on earth. It's, it's the same descriptive words used when Sodom and Gomorrah was punished. And I will tell everybody, and I remember the first time I realized this, I'll tell everybody who's watching this and listening to this, every man who has a wife, it is a sad, sad thing to look back on Lot. And if we read the whole thing, we don't have time today, when the angels went in to Sodom and Gomorrah and said, God has had enough, you got to leave. Genesis tells us in earlier in 19, he hesitated. He hesitated. He, he was so in love when Sodom and Gomorrah and all the sinful garbage that he was participating in and seeing every day. His son-in-laws laughed at him because he had no credibility because the way he lived his life. The angels eventually have to physically grab him and drag him out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he had taught his wife to love Sodom and Gomorrah so much, she couldn't help but look back at it 
with fondness and desire. And you say, well, no, but the Bible says us that Lot is righteous. Yeah, it, it may be. It, it may be that we, we spend eternity with Lot. It looks like we will. I bet his wife and his son-in-laws and his daughters aren't there. See, some of you think, well, hey, I'm saved. So, you know, I know I'm going to heaven. But is the way you and I are living and it looks like we're in love with with hell on earth and we're in love with it so much that the people who are influenced by us are going to love it too much and they won't turn from it? And before you know it, an army of demons kill them because we've taught them to love it. So I'll ask you a hard question that I ask myself. What sin am I teaching my wife and children to love? I hope I haven't taught them to love it so much they won't turn from it. Because they may be a pillar of salt. So now what we see now in verse 17, in verse 17, we've gone through this description. He describes the riders, and they're the colors of hell, colors associated with destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from heaven. These are the colors of fire and sulfur. The horses are not literal horses, and you see they're associated with warfare all over Scripture. Due to these details, they aren't actual horses because he says the heads are like lions, uh, and, and it's Satan and demons, destructive, fierce, relentless. What does Peter tell us about Satan? and about the demons. He says, be self-controlled and alert because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring looking for somebody to devour. And so when John sees these demons, he says, man, whatever they're on, the head looks like a lion. And what that's representing is the horses say, we're here for war. The lion says, says, we're here to destroy, which we talked about a little bit on the last trumpet. This always represents what John is saying. If you want to know what he's really saying, this army is bent on destruction. It is bent on death. It is fierce. It is relentless. And it's here to tear everybody apart. And the fact that they're going to kill a third of the population, they're very, very effective. And what do they kill with? Fire and brimstone. They, they literally incinerate the people with the fires of hell. The people just, that's how you kill a third if they just start incinerating. They, they, just, they just dissolve from the heat as it comes. And isn't it interesting that the English words we use here are fire and brimstone? And what was one of the things that we started saying the church needed to get away from? You got a, all this preaching of fire and brimstone. Yeah, I, you certainly don't want to only preach fire and brimstone, but I wouldn't remove it entirely. Because I sure do appreciate when you talk about God's love and grace after I've understood fire and brimstone. We've really, really messed up by not warning the people properly that to miss redemption is not an inconvenience. It is eternal destruction for you. And it's okay to tell me that. I'm glad people told me the truth. It saved my life. I think about, when I think about this, I think about the late Billy Searcy, who, who we loved. Billy did not live a long life devoted to Jesus, 
But that last little smidgen of life that Billy got, he made it count. And I remember his testimony. He was addicted to drugs. He'd done all these horrible things. He was a wicked man, just like I was. And the day he stood there with his little boy at the time, who was 11, and he wouldn't go back to rehab, and he wouldn't turn his life around, and his now ex-wife, who had to get herself out of the destruction he was bringing on her and the boy. And Billy looks at his little boy, and his little boy says, Daddy, I'm worried about you. And he says, don't worry. And he said, I'm worried that you're going to die. Remember this? And he says to the little boy, well, if I die, I'll see you in heaven. And the little boy looks at him and says, but daddy, you ain't going to heaven. And you say, was that mean? Or was that just truth? Wasn't that something you needed to know? And yet turned it around for him. But you're not going to heaven. And, and there's a lot of us, I did this, you're out there and I would just say, if you think that you are not headed for destruction, destruction, I would, I would challenge you this because a man challenged me on this, and, and I didn't have a good answer, so it forced me to change. Based on what? L- look at your life and tell me if it looks like someone who's been born again. And Jesus didn't say he would prefer if we be born again or it'd be great if you'd be born again. He said, you must be born again. You must. It wasn't something to consider. It was either be born again or die. You must be born again, spiritually, or you'll die. And and I can imagine right now these poor souls, even though they're they're digging into their resentment. When you see this, any of the things that it was going to cost you to be redeemed, because it will cost you your sin. I'm going to say that when all of a sudden you feel hell, hell bearing down on you, either from an army of demons or from you feel your body dying and you feel you see that tunnel closing, I bet any little moment of pleasure that sin gave you won't mean a whole lot. And you'll think to yourself, giving that up really wouldn't have been any big deal for what I would have gained. These, these momentary pleasures you think you just can't do without, don't let them cost you your eternal life. Because they can. He says that, uh, that the trouble isn't just in their mouths, but it's also in the tails. He said the tails are like horrible, venomous snakes. Now, this is not like in five when they're scorpions. Now they're snakes, venomous snakes. They, they're, these are not literal horses, lions, or serpents. They represent a deadly war force that is supernatural, and, it, and they bring supernatural deadliness. Scorpions brought pain. Serpents bring death. And what he's saying is, I'm telling you, what I'm looking at right now looks like war. It looks like total destruction. It looks fierce. It looks relentless, and it looks deadly. He's just using things that he can comprehend to try to describe what it looks like. And this is the part that, that honestly, I sat down and I read it, and I read it, and I read it. Look at verses 20 and 21 of Revelation chapter 9. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent 
of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons or idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. 21. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. What? I mean, I'm doing it again. It just leaves me speechless. I'm like, Lord, look, I, I, I remember having to come to my senses, but I, but I did, you know, I mean, after people giving me presentations, I couldn't get away from, could there be a bigger presentation than what has just happened? So the rest, after seeing all of this, who were not killed, did not repent. Their hearts were hardened. Turn with me to the Gospel of John. Since he's seeing this, you think he's not remembering this? Go to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. I get chills thinking about John when he sees these things. You see him in 1 John when he's taking on the Gnostics. I love when John says, you're listening to these people. I think maybe I was a pretty good, credible source. I touched him. I was there. I heard him speak. He taught me personally. And you're going to listen to these Gnostics? You think I'm not reliable? I was there. So here is John in verses 35b, and he's talking about what we've just seen because we can't believe what we have just seen, and none of us can believe what I just read. So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And then he goes into, look what he says next. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with the heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. So they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. You know what these people are saying? We still love sin more than you. Did you know any sin that is in your life right now, not a stumble, not a mistake, but any sin that in your life, like right now, it is deliberate, it is perpetual, and you knowingly go and do it. You're doing that because I did it. And anything I still have in my life is this way. It applies to that now. Anything that's like that still in your life, it really means this. You still love it more than you love Jesus. Because if you, if you loved Jesus more than that, you wouldn't, you wouldn't tolerate it. Somehow you think that total submission to Jesus isn't quite better than partial submission. You, you got the, we got these secret little sins that we love on. We just can't quite 
We're just not sure we're okay without them. And you know what we're saying, and I'm saying we, not you. What we're saying is, I don't think Jesus can completely fulfill me. It's got to be Jesus plus sexual immorality. It's got to be Jesus plus not paying my taxes or not, not giving my tithe and stealing from God. I don't have enough faith to give the tithe he told me to give because I'm, I'm afraid that I, if I don't have that amount of money, Jesus won't take care of me. Can I tell you what Elizabeth Elliot said about that? And if anybody wants to doubt somebody that was sold out for Jesus, good luck to you, okay? She's one of my wife's heroes and one of my heroes too. Elizabeth Elliot said, what we were told by Jesus and what we were told is that he would provide for our needs. You ready for this? So if you're under the authority of God and you belong to him and you don't have it, God has determined you don't need it. Because if you needed it, he would provide it. Now, we're not talking about the lost because they, they, they hadn't made that deal. But those of us that have been redeemed and we say, Lord, you will provide all my needs. Why don't I have fill in the blank? You know what we are to hear back? Without, we shouldn't even ask him. We should go, oh, I don't need that. Because if I needed it, you'd give it to me. He didn't say he'd provide all you wants because our wants are flawed. I will provide your needs. Jesus even said, you think he's going to abandon you and he's giving this sparrow whatever it needs to eat today? Aren't you more valued than what? Multiple sparrows. And you don't think he's going to provide your needs? But you know what we say? But he's not providing my wants. If you want to truly know how much God loves you, you know what we should say when he doesn't give us our wants? Thank you. Because I'm flawed. And you're not. So after seeing this, John lists five things they would not repent and give up. Number one, idol worship. Works of their hands throughout Scripture is what it's called to refer to idols. And I can give you so many verses on this, you won't even be able to write them all down. Deuteronomy 27, 15, 31, 29, 2 Kings 19, 18, 22, 17, 2 Chronicles 32, 19, 34, 25, Psalm 135, 15, Isaiah 2, 8, 17, 8, 37, 19. Jeremiah deals with this with them again. Chapter 1, 16, 25, 6, 7, 14, 32, 30, 44, 8. Y'all done? Y'all want more? Micah. 5.13, New Testament, Acts 7.41. This time, though, John gets specific. He mentions the idols of gold and silver. And he even makes fun of it. He said, these things can't even see. They don't, they're not real. Human beings have always struggled with idolatry, haven't we? It's, it's, it's the fall from the very beginning. God's trying to withhold something for you from you. Think about right now till you go, well, Rick, is, you can see it in so many ways. Do you realize that even this whole thing that we are worshiping ourselves so much, we are our own idols, we've gotten to the point that we want to do whatever we want to do. Look at all the stuff that's going on. Even look at the point of the whole gender thing. I'm so, I'm so enamored with myself, I want to date me. But I don't want anything different. I want something just like me. 
And, and, and so, so when, when you think about that, and then you think about the, the idols in your own life, it kind of makes you understand that it's hard for these people to give that up. Worshiping demons. If we worship, worship anything other than God, listen to me now. It's the worship of demons. Because if it's not, if it opposes God, it's demonic. Anything you're placing in God's place is, is, is the same thing as worshiping demons. You see that in Deuteronomy 32, 17, Psalm 106, 37. Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, 20, that all things that the Gentiles were sacrificing, and look at this, he says, when the Gentiles, in 1 Corinthians 10, 20, to the Gentiles, he said, when you sacrifice anything and you don't sacrifice it to God, Paul says you're sacrificing them to demons. When you leave worship of the one true God, demons take that spot. It's not mild. It's not a, yeah, it's, I'm just not really into God. Well, then you're into demons. They wouldn't give up murder. Wow. And you go, well, Rick, come on now. Anybody seen the number of babies that we've taken out? 60 million, I think, was the last tally. We haven't quite been willing to give up murder either, have we? You think God's just going to let that go? Uh, so second thing, sorceries. This is the Greek, um, you know, and you say, well, you're, this is talking about, you know, uh, Ouija boards and all that. Sure, it does. It is talking about that. But can I tell you what else it's talking about? You know what the, the word here is in English? Pharmacy, pharmaceuticals, derives from the word drugs. The word in the Greek word is pharmakon. It means poison. It also is used to talk about charms of any kind, witchcraft, spells, black magic, mediums, pagan idolatry. People will dive deeper into satanic trappings and a false religion. You ever tried to get anybody off drugs? You ever seen people how people behave? Rick Burgess included when I was drunk. I could probably say 90% of the regrets that I have, some so bad that relationships that can't be repaired are tied to drunkenness. You know why? Because when I got drunk, guess what I opened myself up to? Demons. Because I wasn't in my right mind. That's why we're told to be sober-minded. They won't give up uh, sexual immorality. Anybody surprised by that one? How about it is? It's almost seemed bizarre not to be sexually immoral. If you're not sexually immoral, the world is like, what's wrong with you? You're not, you're not shacking up with somebody? You're not having sex with somebody outside of marriage? Now, now we got to be real careful because, you know, you, you find out that your kids come out as homosexual, you're ready to do something. You find out that your son's a whoremonger, and you, you, don't, you don't say anything about that. That's just as sexually immoral. Or to have a loose daughter or something like that. Now, think about how many times people take, they don't even, I mean, sexual purity is laughed at. Now, there is a young generation that's turning back to it. Praise God for them. And I'm seeing that. But it says they wouldn't give up this. You know what else they wouldn't give up? Pornography. I'm sure. I'm sure nobody has a struggle with that. It's everywhere: fornication, adultery, rape, homosexuality, sexual perversions. Pornography will run rampant, like it is right now. And you know what the people say? We're not giving this up. We like it too much. We like it better than you. 
We're willing to die in it. (laughs) We're willing to go to hell we love sexual immorality so much. Theft. Why do you think that's mentioned here? You think supplies are tough to come by during this time? You think everybody's stealing from each other? (laughs) I tell people all the time, I got a farm and I'm moving there. And if you want to come live with me, you better be bringing something to the table. Okay? Because we're going to be fortified. Okay? Under the influence of this massive demon force, the world will descend into a hub of false religions, murder, sexual perversion, crime, unparalleled in human history. Jude 15, and we're done. Go to Jude 15, verse 15. Jude says this. To execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of the deeds of ungodliness that have they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that the ungodly sinners have spoken against them, these grumblers, these malcontents, following their own sinful desires, they are loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. Now look at verse 23. Let's look at 22, what Jude says. And have mercy on those who doubt. 23, here's here's the call in our lives that are redeemed. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. I think sometimes we forget when we delay on being disciples and making disciples We've been told clearly by Scripture, go out and snatch them from the fire. If they don't repent and they're not redeemed, Rick, it's not you that you won't get to come back and tell your friends how many people came to the altar. What's going to happen is they will be burned by the fire. It's a big deal not to care what happens to people. And we have the truth. If they reject it, we, we don't save anybody. Them rejecting it is one thing. You and I neglecting to do it and rejecting that command, now that's another one. Because Jesus said, if you love me, then you obey my commands. And maybe it's time for you. I had somebody say something yesterday about people who always are critical of the things that you do. I said 2% of my complaints come from lost people that wish I wouldn't talk about Scripture. 98% 98% comes from not denominational garbage. You're not doing it right. And you know what the guy told me? And God sent him to me yesterday. He said, watch this. He said, I've never had anybody, anybody, complain to me and, and give me a hard time that was doing more for the kingdom than I was. He said, so I usually don't listen. Now, if somebody comes up that's a hoss for the kingdom, and their, their commitment to the faith challenges you, you might want to listen to them. But those who sit in the stands and never get on the field, their voices don't hold a lot of water. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Oh, what a warning. Wow. Today, Lord, I just assess myself and, and see how defiant I still am. I'm, I'm being sanctified, Lord, and I'm growing. But there's still places in my life right now, as I was warned by Peter in Second Peter chapter 1, that I need to 
make every effort to supplement to my faith, virtue, steadfastness, godliness, all these things because of the fact that I live in a world that still has a sin nature and my body and my flesh still have a sin nature. And and Peter says that you need to be being sanctified and you need to be growing. And I love this. He says, if you supplement these things to your faith, these things don't save us. These things are to be supplemented to our life after we've been saved. He says, you will not fail. You will be fruitful. So forgive me, Lord, when I have lack of effort on growing up spiritually so I can be fruitful. Change me, Lord, only you can, as I totally submit to you, and I repent of sin and renounce anything that is between you and me. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for being with us.